Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome in, folks, to another episode of Locked On Bulls. I'm your host, Cody Westerlin, alongside fellow co-host Sean Hyken, as always. You can find us on iTunes. As a reminder, feel free to subscribe. Leave us a review. Five-star review. Five-star review. Always preferred. Great for us. Great for you. We're all happy. You can also find us on Stitcher. Audio Boom, and I believe what, Twitter, Facebook, where else? Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bulls. Follow us on Facebook at Locked, search Locked on Bulls if you want to send us a question on either one of those platforms. We read all of those. Email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com if you have any questions you want us to answer or if you want to advertise with us. We're always open to inquiries on that end. Absolutely, and we appreciate your feedback. I think you appreciate our feedback, too, as well on all Bulls happenings. And lately, it was Friday. When Derrick Rose, a couple days ago, we're taping this on Sunday evening, but Derrick Rose was introduced to the New York media at Madison Square Garden. And it was really odd, I think, to see him in a New York Knicks golf polo, basically, (laughs) in front of the media. And, I mean, that marked the start of a new era for Derrick Rose in New York. But what was your takeaway from his press conference in New York, Sean? Well, you know what? I think the big thing that I can take away from it is he just seemed relieved, like, he would never admit this publicly, but it just seemed like all the pressure that's always been on him in Chicago of being the hometown kid and then having the injuries that he had and having to try to get back to where he was before the injuries. I feel like that probably weighed on him a lot. And just having, he said, at one point he said, like, I want to thank the Bulls for giving me a fresh start somewhere else. Like, it seems like he's just kind of happy to be somewhere else and not have to deal with just the same group of people, the same media, the same expectations. And I know the New York media is very hard on guys a lot and he's going to have a lot of expectations being on a stage like that but just the fact that it doesn't the being a hometown kid doesn't factor into it anymore I think that's going to be a huge you know load off of his back yeah and I want to give full context here Sean mentioned a few of Derek's quotes and here the exact quote one of many in what was a 15 17 minute press conference but was Derek Rose said quote I don't know why I was traded but I would like to tell them thank you, referring to the Bulls. Mm -hmm. For real, giving me another start, I'm grateful to be where I'm at. I could have been anywhere, not saying all the other teams are bad places, (laughs) but to be in this market, to be in this city, with this basketball legacy, this history of basketball, I'm grateful to be here in New York. Now he went on, and later he did mention... I feel like they're going to appreciate me more here. A little bit more here. Right. And <laughs> That was interesting. That was, yeah, a little bit of a loaded comment. I think it's truth, too. I, I don't think it's a complete shot at Chicago. I don't but, think he said that on purpose, thinking I'm going to take a shot. I think he just kind of said that, like he does a lot. Yeah, he does tend to do it. But I do think it's reflective of, like you said, the burden that he felt he had to carry in Chicago and the criticism and heat he took for his decisions on the floor, off the floor, some of his comments in the city and the hometown aspect weighing on him. And it did feel like a little bit different of a Derrick Rose than what we were used to with kind of the guard up all the time these past few seasons with the Bulls. Yeah, it just seemed like he was loose. He didn't he didn't really say a lot of stuff that people were able to point to and 
say, oh, he messed this up. I mean, there were a couple times where he says, uh, I feel like I'm great right now, or I feel like I'm really close to getting back to being the, you know, the MVP version of myself. He said stuff like that. And it was the same kind of stuff we've heard all the time over the last few years in Chicago. And you just kind of have to roll your eyes when he says stuff like that. And he has the best of intentions with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's part of the entire Derrick Rose experience. A- experience is the perfect word in Chicago. And I think that's obviously what wore on uh, fans much of the time, media members sometimes, in the front office, obviously, these last few years too. And obviously, you just couldn't count on him as much on the floor. Obviously, the Knicks are going to be counting on him a lot in what's a very high-profile team and names now between him and Carmelo and Kristaps Porzingis. How do you think he'll fare in New York next season? I think if he's healthy, he's going to have a really good year. We've talked before about him being motivated by trying to get a new contract, but just, you know, I like his fit with Jeff Hornacek, who wants to play kind of an up-tempo offense, and, you know, if Rose is willing to be a lot, you know, kind of a distributor point guard, which, you know, he's said in the past that he's been willing to be they just haven't had the pieces around him they have Carmelo Anthony now who's going to be pretty ball dominant I'm interested in seeing how that fits and this is this is one of the parts that I find fun from being an outside observer is the Bulls recruited Carmelo Anthony really really hard in summer 2014 Derrick Rose had an only minor participation a minor role in that recruitment saying hi to Carmelo basically not showing up to the dinner that I think the Bulls wanted him to come to late into the evening and kind of showcasing Chicago and obviously Melo picked the five-year what 125 million contract and more uh, financial security over the Bulls but now we get to see him paired up and now the thing that was also interesting we talked about Derek not really participating in that meeting uh he was very adamant during his whole time in Chicago that he doesn't really want to be out there on the front lines recruiting free agents somebody asked him about that at this press conference and he says maybe he's going to change his mind and then he also just kind of made a public case at the press conference to Joakim Noah, who is also a free agent, and he said he wants Noah to play there. He said Noah knows he wants him to play there, and Mark Berman of the uh, New York Post reported today that the Knicks are making Joakim Noah their top priority in free agency. And there were also reports that Derek and Joakim are already out partying a little bit or hanging out in New York. No surprise there. I mean, they're really close, and the one thing about that is through everything Derek Rose experienced in Chicago on, I guess, the back half, the second chapter of his career in Chicago, um, with the first half, kind of the middle being marked by that torn ACL in 2012 in the playoffs. Uh, I think Joakim Noah probably stood by him more than any individual. Tom Thibodeau always had Derek's back, but at the same time, he wasn't afraid to scold him a little bit. And I think the one time he missed a practice because of travel logistics went haywire in the winter coming back from the All-Star break. Uh, so, but most of the time, Tibbs was always in his court. But Joakim was always really strongly yeah. on Derek's side. Yeah, he would always say stuff like, the people who are, like, this isn't a direct quote, but I've, I've heard him say stuff along these lines several times, that, like, the people who are criticizing Derek don't know what they're talking about, and nobody sees how hard he works behind the scenes. Maybe the fact that they're both Adidas guys has something to do with that, but... No, maybe except with the exception of Taj Gibson, who pretty much always will defend anybody, any coach, any player on his team, just you know, on principle. Besides that, I don't think anybody has been more vocal over the last few years about defending Derrick Rose against some of the criticism he's faced than Joe Keem. So I think it seems like it's pretty likely if they're willing to offer him the kind of money that he's going to want that Joe is probably going to be there in New York. Yeah, and Joe's a New York guy. That's a little different than Derrick facing the hometown spotlight because he's not a superstar. He's kind of in the twilight of his career there. 
But it will be interesting to see three central figures kind of that were tied in summer 2014 between Derek Joe and Carmelo finally getting together this time in New York, not two summers ago like we thought maybe Chicago. And Noah was heavily involved in that meeting that they had with uh, Carmelo Anthony in 2014. He went out to dinner with him. He was in the meeting with Tom Thibodeau and Gar Foreman. So, you know, it, they must have some kind of relationship there, or Noah must want to play with uh, Carmelo to some level. And the fact that Derek is there now and he's from New York, I, I think it's going to make it a pretty attractive situation for Yeah, him. and to be clear, I mean, Derek was still very complimentary of Chicago as well and what it meant to him. And he, he wore no, he's wearing number 25, which was his number at Simeon. Yeah, which is a shout-out to Benji Wilson, who was tragically uh, murdered back in the 80s at Simeon. Uh, just outside of his high school, and he's a guy who was number one prospect in the country, and it's kind of been tradition for the best Simeon player to wear that number. Derek didn't wear it here in Chicago, but he is going to wear it for the Knicks as kind of just a shout-out um, back to know what his, his hometown city and he meant. Explicitly, and he explicitly said he's in New York, but he wa- he wore that number because he wanted to take a piece of Chicago with him to it. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it was, as you said, the full Derrick Rose experience. He said the word Chicago made me who I am. He's never going to forget this city and what it meant. But that's the thing. Like, there's an expiration date on everything in professional sports. And Derrick's had come with the Bulls. They needed to move him. I think he realized that, too. Uh, I believe he said he was tipped off kind of the morning of the trade from agent BJ Armstrong that it was coming, and it kind of set in on him. Like, he said BJ kind of couched it a little bit by saying, hey, it might happen, you know what I mean? And he, and wrote, Derek, he wrote an essay on The on the Cycle, which is a medium website that, you know, a lot of times celebrities or athletes will write, you know, personal essays on. Uh, he basically said that when BJ told him it might happen, that means he he knew that it was going to happen. Yeah, he he read through that, and, and on that website, he said, I've carried Chicago with me everywhere I've gone, from around the country to all over the world, and I always will. So uh, Derek does understand that, um, absolutely, but it was a entirely new chapter, I guess, of his story. And for our part, we're going to be interested in watching it, because, I mean, we... We had more enjoyment, I think, out of watching Derrick Rose play basketball when he was playing well than we did with everything else. You know what I mean? The off-court yeah. stuff, the drama, like, uh, that makes for great headlines. It keeps the, the, the news cycle going. That stuff's not our problem going. anymore. But, you know, it, it was a lot. And it will be interesting to see if he can kind of just play basketball a little bit more. And I think the fact that the Knicks... I mean, we, the last couple of years, it didn't really help matters that the Bulls were going into the season with a lot of people, whether rightly or wrongly, saying that they were expected to be a title contender. Nobody thinks the Knicks are going to be contending for anything. If they make the playoffs, that'll be considered a successful year after the last few years that they've had. So there's going to be, even though it's New York, there's going to be a little bit less pressure on Derek because nobody's expecting them to contend for a title next season. They're kind of in the... In this realm, they're in the same idea of the Bulls in, hey, we need to get back to respectability and being successful and get in the playoffs after this past year. And to tie it back to the Bulls, Derrick Rose's exit leaves a hole at point guard. You know? Mm-hmm. And... We don't know how this is going to shake out. Tomorrow, uh, Denzel Valentine is scheduled to meet with the media. Fred Hoiberg will speak with the media as well. So we'll get more insight into how Bulls' uh, point guard minutes and plan will be split up in the coming season. But I know that is a big question a lot of people have. And we want to take a lot of your Twitter questions and questions today. So we're going to get into those right now. But one of the questions we got from Chris on Twitter was, who are the top free agent choices for the Bulls at point guard, shooting guard, at wings? Um, any insight, Sean? 
I would say, as far as realistic guys, because uh, Mike Conley is obviously the top point guard available on the market, and I can't imagine the Bulls are really going to be in the running to get him because you know Memphis can offer him more money, and then there are other situations you can go to where he'll have a better chance at contending if he decides to leave Memphis. So for putting Mike Conley aside, uh, you know Jeremy Lin is a guy that comes to mind. He's a guy that I was saying all last summer that the Bulls should have signed, especially when. Uh, he ended up going to Charlotte for like $2 million a year. He had a rejuvenated season. He did. He had a rejuvenated season. He's going to be a lot more expensive. But he's a guy, I mean, he had a great year in Charlotte, and he's kind of proven that he is able to be, you know, a good NBA point guard. He's not the superstar that he was for those two weeks in New York during Linsanity, but he's a good NBA player. He can run an offense. He can score. He can create his own shot. I think he would be a good fit if he was willing to come there. But he has said in the past couple of weeks that, he really loves Charlotte. He really loved his year there. He wants to stay there. So I think if they can come to a deal there, that's going to be his first choice. But that's a guy that I would imagine Chicago will probably be in the running to get. Yeah, and there's a lot of, I mean, it's not a deep point guard class. I was going to say there's kind of a lot of veterans that are maybe over the hill or guys that carry a little baggage with them. You're looking at other names like Rajon Rondo. Brandon Jennings. Darren Williams, Brandon Jennings, Ty Lawson, Matthew Dellavedova, who I can't see going to the Bulls. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like he and Taj have kicked each other or like I don't, fallen on the floor yeah, way too I, many yeah, times. Yeah, during, during that playoff series. I think, honestly, their best option, if they want to get a point guard and it's not on their roster right now, might be to try to you know talk to Phoenix, maybe give them that first that protected first round pick that they have from the Kings uh yeah. from a couple of years ago just to see if they could get either Eric Bledsoe or Brandon Knight because with you know with the Kings taking Tyler Ulis in the second round of the draft they have so many point guards right now so between Bledsoe and Knight like they just they just have that one of those guys is going to have to get moved and I don't know what kind of value they're going to get but once free agency starts on July 1st and the Bulls have cap space those guys are both making about 13 or 14 million dollars a year which is going to be below market for anybody on this free agent market so you know if they could somehow get one of those guys from phoenix that would probably be the best way to go for me and we can tie that into another question from vj vimu on twitter should the bulls move tosh gibson and or mike dunlevy and is there any fit with the kings i mean would the kings want a guy like Taj gibson at all or a rotational guy uh, like Mike Dunleavy, or is there any fit there, I guess? And should the Bulls look into that route? You mean with the Suns? Or with anyone, and if it is, tie back to the Suns. Well, I think there's probably a market for either one of those guys, because they're on really cheap contracts. They both are expired. Gibson is just expiring. Mike Dunleavy, the third year of his deal, uh, the next season is... Uh, this coming season is guaranteed. The year after that is non-guaranteed. So both of them are essentially expiring contracts. They're both, when they're healthy, they're both very good rotation players. Taj in particular, he's a guy, he defends, he's gotten a lot better as an offensive player. He can guard both front court positions. He's very versatile. Dunleavy, you know, he's he's 35 years old and has back problems, and I wouldn't count on him as a starter, but, you know, if he's healthy, he's a good three-point shooter and a solid defender. So he's, you know, those are both guys that if you're a contending team, you're going to want to have on your team, and it probably wouldn't take that much to get him, maybe like a protected pick or just a younger rotation player who's kind of a lower end guy or somebody whose salary you're trying to get off the books could probably get it done especially if it seems like the Bulls are trying to just unload as many of the veterans outside of Jimmy Butler from the past few years as they can yeah absolutely my answer would be absolutely the Bulls should look to move both of those guys Uh, obviously do it for the right reasons and try to get an asset back don't move them just to move them because both are respected veterans in the locker room who can still provide something as Sean said as rotational players in the right situations I think Taj still has a little bit more value Uh, hard worker good defender can rebound well Uh, I don't know 
who that would be exactly, but you got to keep your eyes and ears open. Here he's a hit free agency. Uh, On to another Twitter question. Q said, should the Bulls try to sign Mike Conley? Uh, And we just brought him up a little bit. Do you think they should pursue him? I would be fine with the Bulls pursuing Mike Conley because they did get rid of Derrick Rose. And the sense is uh, there was no way they're going to add any high profile point guard. But I know he's going to demand a big contract, but he's a good player. And again, I think he would fit with a Jimmy Butler. So with that in mind, I think it's okay. And the other thing is, Russ Westbrook, Steph Curry can be free agents in summer 2017, but the Bulls aren't going to get those guys. So to me, it's a little... you got to keep in mind, point guard's really important to Fred Hoiberg's team. And Denzel Valentine could probably play... Uh, point guard minutes in the future, but Gar Foreman did say the other night, you know, hey, his best position, his natural position is the two, shooting guard, and if you can have as many good passers on the floor as you can, as many guys as possible who can handle the ball, but aren't ball dominant in the way Derrick Rose was, I think you should look into it. I don't think the Bulls would be favorite in any scenario with him, and he is, I think as you pointed out, Sean, coming off an Achilles injury here. He's 28 years old. I think this is the first time he's entering free agency on a big contract looking at that deal. So to me, it would be fine to go after him. It's a weak point guard market. Otherwise, and we'll get into this more with free agency primer coming later in the week, but what are your thoughts on that pursuit? Potentially. I I think they should try to pursue him. You have to at least make the call to his agent and see if he's willing to meet with them. But I would have to imagine he's going to, you know, the Bulls are going to be pretty low on the list of teams that uh, he would want to sign with if he decided to leave Memphis. I would have to say that, you know, if I had to guess, Memphis is probably the favorite to re-sign him at this point because they can offer him that fifth year and more money. And for a guy who had had some injury problems, if that's on the table for him, he might want that extra year of security and that extra money that they can offer him. But, you know, if he's going somewhere else, I think there are other situations that are better for him. With that said, I think he'd be a great fit for the Bulls. He's a career 37% three-point shooter, which the Bulls just had Derrick Rose, who's a point guard that can't really shoot from the outside, so that would give them a dimension that they haven't really had at that position before. And he's a good uh, defender, or at least better defender than Derrick Rose. And so having him and Jimmy Butler together as your defensive backcourt, I think that would be really good. And we got a question from Floyd that ties into that from Floyd on Twitter. What's the appeal to free agents in Chicago? And that's a really good question from Floyd right now. Chicago's a great city. We know that. We live here. Uh, Bulls are a rabid fan base. I think Bulls fans understand their basketball really well, too. Obviously, a little spoiled in the 90s being so good. But these are smart basketball fans, so you are entering a city that that gets the game. You know what I mean? Um, And I think there is some appeal to free agency and players to play somewhere where basketball matters so much. But from an organizational standpoint... And roster standpoint, where the Bulls are right now in their retool, their rebuild, the dawning of a new era, whatever you want to call it, uh, what's the appeal for the Bulls in free agency? I think any basketball-related pitch that the Bulls have would have to be based around how a particular player is going to be used in Fred Hoiberg's offense. It has to be a player that, that they can say, look, we want to play this way, we want to use you this way. And if that's appealing to a player and they offer them enough money, because the thing is, everybody's going to have so much cap space this summer and you have to spend up to the salary floor. So somebody is going to have to take their money, even if they aren't the most appealing franchise out there. But if you can you know, go to somebody like, uh, I don't know, a Jeremy Lin and say, look, we really want to push the pace. Uh, we want to have you be our guy running the offense. You know, you can get a lot of shots. Uh, you know, I, something like that could be very appealing to different guys. Yeah, what's in play for the Bulls 
on several different fronts. And this will be for other teams in free agency too. If you're a team that's looking maybe for a one-year stopgap fix, uh-huh. overpay someone massively on a one-year contract. This is in play. We can get into it more again in our free agency primer. But pay someone way too much for one year and say, hey, a lot of money. You can hit free agency next year when there's even more money out there. Bigger contracts sign that long-term Give deal. Jeremy Lin like a one-year $18 million deal. Yeah, I mean, it's way above value. But for you, you can at least get back to respectability this year instead of having a question mark at point guard. I think that would be smart. Now, the catch is, hey, that guy wants a two- or three- or four-year deal. You got to be, ah, I don't know, because you know, you're trying to rebuild in a stronger free agent class next year. So there's a lot to weigh there. Right. My, my, my philosophy with this has always been there's no bad one-year deal. And I think a lot yeah. of guys... You know, we're talking, you know, Kevin Durant is a free agent, and the big talk around him is that the most likely thing that he's going to do probably is take a one-year deal from Oklahoma City or a two-year deal with a one-year player option. So, you know, giving a deal like that to somebody, you know, that gives them, you know, even with a one-year player option, that gives somebody some security that, you know, they can opt in or opt out and they hold the cards. But, and I would imagine if if whoever they draft, you know, has a good year, they would opt out and try to get that more, you know, that extra salary cap money the following year. So that might be a way to go if the Bulls look at uh, the 2017 free agent class and decide that they'd rather go after somebody in that class. Yeah, and that reference is what Ryan asked us on Twitter too. Should the Bulls go for free agents this offseason here in 2016, next week when free agency starts? Or should they pretty much sit out free agency? And I guess there's some gray in that question. It's not completely black and white. But I think the Bulls need to be really careful about not committing a ton of money, for example, to a Harrison Barnes and kind of strapping themselves and putting themselves in a salary cap crunch in the future uh, when you can get players who might be able to do more. Um, so if you if by sitting out free agency you mean offering one-year deals to guys and maybe overpaying them, I'm for that. Um, going for lower-profile guys, I think that does make some sense for the Bulls this year. Right, and plus they're going to have some cap space again next year because everybody's going to have cap space, so the cap is going to jump another $20 million or so from what it already was. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, there's other guys, too, out there. I mean, we mentioned Courtney Lee, I think, yeah. off the air. A guy who's, again, not high profile, not going to make a huge difference, but can help your team on a shorter-term contract. Or Eric possibly. Gordon is a reclamation project. He might be the kind of guy, he's had so many injuries the last few years, but he's still a really good shooter when he's healthy. He might be the kind of guy that's willing to take a one- or two-year deal just to prove it to teams that he can stay healthy and then really cash in next offseason. Yeah, and these decisions obviously are going to be made by the Bulls' brain trust of John Paxton and Gar Foreman, and we've heard plenty from Gar lately after Derrick Rose's trading at the draft, and I think we might hear from him tomorrow too. Yeah, I um, think he'll probably be at, at the presser. But uh, we do have another question from Paige Vadat, who is our highest profile um, Twitter follower or fan. I don't know, friend of the program. Friend I don't know program. if we're there yet. But he's an actor on Bones, so I feel like we've gone... Better known as the show that we always see the last three minutes of on every TNT broadcast that we watch. Yes, as you pointed out, it's either Castle or Bones that leads into TNT uh, Thursdays. And uh, he asks, and we greatly appreciate the question, why do John Paxton and Gar Foreman have so much job security? You know, this is a tough one, because I think a lot of it is just how loyal Jerry Reinsdorf is, especially John Paxton, who's a guy who played for the Bulls in the 90s. And, you know, there's there's still a lot of loyalty between a lot of those 90s players and Jerry Reinsdorf. So, uh, 
I, I think a lot of it is that. And you also, like, they can point to their record in terms of, like, their regular season achievements. And then they can say, oh, well, they didn't, we weren't successful because of different injuries that they've had over the years. But, I mean, they haven't done a bad job. Like, they, they there's certainly been some disappointments. But you can't look at them and say they've done a terrible job. Yeah, it was bad last year. The job they did yes. last year. Setting Absolutely. the team up like that. Um, and, and then not trading Pau Gasol the deadline when they had a chance. Yep, to. that was bad. And, I mean, firing Tom Thibodeau might come back and forever haunt them. And that's an entire different podcast and discussion, which I'm sure we can do someday, perhaps. But to me, John John Paxton's a smart basketball man. You yes. know, he is. Um, putting the loyalty factor aside, I mean, he's been a Bulls lifer in the sense he's been an assistant coach for him, worked on their broadcast before he went to the front office. He's a guy that it needs to be noted that, well, not everyone in that organization agrees with him all the time, and he does have a temper and can hit a nerve wrong with some people. People respect him because he's up front, he's sharp. Um, when he does want to be decisive and make decisions, he can. You know what I mean? And you date back to last year, the Bulls were playing, I think, poorly right before Christmas. And he came in and had a locker room talk with them. And the Bulls responded with their best stretch of basketball of the entire season, I think. Beat the Thunder on Christmas Day. Uh, went on a pretty good stretch to mid-January where... I think it was the record. I don't remember what it was exactly, but Fred Hoiberg referenced it all the time. It kind of hey. went off the rails when Joakim Noah had his shoulder injury. Yeah, so, and leading up to that best play was Paxton telling the guys, hey, you know, get your stuff together, go out there, work hard, quit whining and complaining. And he still has that voice. He carries value in that sense. And as long as you're respected and still a smart guy, like, yeah, it, it makes sense to have a job. Gar Foreman, now that's a little bit different of a story. John Paxson does not like doing the day-to-day stuff anymore. And Gar did have a good background of scouting history before he took over as Bulls GM and made some good moves early in his career. Lately, not so much. The other thing, I think if anybody is going to be on the clock, it's going to be Gar because Fred Hoiberg, you know, they, they fired Tom Thibodeau, which, you know, that was obviously going to happen because they didn't get along with each other, him and the front office. Yeah. But Hoiberg was Gar's guy. Gar was like, like, they had a relationship going back years. Gar was an assistant coach at Iowa State when Fred was a player there, and they they have a relationship that goes back years. He was the one that sold the rest of the organization on Fred Hoiberg. So if they don't make progress this year under Hoiberg, it, it's probably going to be Gar that's next on the chopping block. Yeah, and I think it is somewhat telling a little bit that when the Bulls traded Derrick Rose, Gar Foreman walked out and handled the entire press conference himself. No packs. At the end of the season, when the Bulls had been awful and the fans were calling for change, calling for heads, upset with missing the playoffs and just seeing the product on the floor, John Paxton and Gar Foreman both walked out there. When they fired Tom Thibodeau, both of those guys walked out there and answered for it. So to me, uh, I mean, maybe you put that in a vacuum, that's just John Paxton saying, Hey, Gar Foreman traded Derrick Rose, which needed to be done, I think, and we've we've already said we like the return on value they got. But that was somewhat telling. We'll see moving forward here, free agency. You know, like right now they're putting Gar out there kind of by himself. This is your team. Both right now. not both with the Rose trade and with drafting Valentine Valentine. So it doesn't work out, then they can say, look, this was Gar's move, and then they can use that as grounds to let him go. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a lot more about this tomorrow. As we said earlier, Denzel Valentine is introduced to Correct the media. me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Pax is going to be at the press conference tomorrow. The, the, the email that I got said that it was just going to be Gar and Hoiberg, right? Yeah, and, and Denzel, obviously, it doesn't make sense for I have four of them up there anyway. And it'll be a, more of a feel-good day tomorrow mm-hmm. at the start because the Bulls like what they got in Denzel. And we'll see. I'm at most interested tomorrow, and we'll talk about this on the podcast for Monday evening slash Tuesday morning. 
Um, how point guard minutes are going to be split up, what Denzel's role is. Fred Hoiberg's going to have a big say and voice in that. That's his decision. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting. And we'll be back with that. As always, remember, um, you can email us at LockedOnBulls with any basketball questions you got. At Gmail. Or, excuse me, yes, (laughs) at Gmail. And, uh... Get us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Follow me on Twitter at Hike and follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Westerlund. Like us on Facebook. Send us questions on there. We read those also and respond. more than anything, subscribe. Subscribe. That's the best you can do for us. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom. Leave us five-star reviews. Tell your friends to listen to us if they're Bulls fans. Yep. You got to have something to talk to Monday morning at work, so you might as well tell them about us and the Bulls podcast and the new era of Bulls basketball that we will continue to talk about. We'll be back with... Uh, more stuff later this week after the Denzel Valentine presser tomorrow and then also leading up until Friday which is July 1st which is the first day of free agency we're going to have a couple episodes this week where we talk about what they should do and what they might do what you know once the free agency period opens as as far as you know different areas of need we talked a little bit about it but we're going to do a whole episode just about that stuff keep sending us twitter questions keep sending us emails we'll get to as many of those as we can if you want to advertise with us uh Email us, LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. We're always open to any inquiries on that end, and we will see you guys later this week. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.